Welcome to the SWP Podcast. I'm Nick Kennedy, Chair of the Workforce Planning Institute. My guest today is Jonas Odegaard, Head of People Analytics and Workforce Planning at the International Committee of the Red Cross. Jonas combines an all-round HR experience with a passion for analytics. A Swiss national, he's worked across several continents and enjoys innovating collaboratively in times of change. With a background in organisational psychology, he explored the ways HR brings value to the business by leading transversal initiatives such as lean, continuous improvement or end-to-end process management at Nestle. He also set up a people analytics centre of expertise for the MIA region. Jonas then joined the ICRC to lead the people analytics team, industrialising people insights and leading the development of an institutional workforce planning approach. Welcome, Jonas. Thank you, Nick. It's uh, it's really good to have you. Um, really good to finally have you on the podcast, having met you um, so many times in the lead up to a number of our events. So um, it's it's great to have you here. Let's start by um, going through strategic workforce planning and and you. So take us through your journey into the broader space and and how did you arrive at at where you are today. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, my background is mostly in HR, like you just said, uh, with a, a good part of it in Nestle. Um, but I've always had a, a passion and an interest for data and analytics. And this actually only uh, became an opportunity not so long ago, in 2018, when uh, Nestle decided to, to create uh, regional centers of expertise, including in people analytics. And I had the chance to to be given the challenge of opening the, the People Analytics Regional Center of Expertise for Middle East and Africa. Um, and uh, at the time, workforce planning was not new at, uh, at Nestle, but uh, it, was, it was part of this offering that, uh, that as People Analytics, we were responsible to bring into the, the different markets, the geographies of Nestle. And uh, it means that as a team of, uh, well, there were, I had peers, of course, um, and uh, we were a team and uh, we really had the chance to, I would say, reconceptualize the the principles of workforce planning at Nestle. And uh, and I had the the big chance of doing that with really amazing minds uh, in the likes of Michael Cox, whom you interviewed a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple of episodes ago. and uh, and I think that really gave me confidence to 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 understand and master these these workforce planning concepts. And then a bit later, when I had the chance to join ICRC as head of people analytics, there was also the opportunity to build it pretty much from the ground up. Also, uh, workforce planning was not completely new at ICRC, but uh, but I was given the mandate to provide uh, a new institutional approach of workforce planning. So that, that really gave me the opportunity to, uh, to, to conceptualize from the beginning um, the, the approach that would work for ICRC. Um, and uh, and of course to to help me in that I think as as many of your your previous uh, interviewees has said that there is no real real course to learn and become a workforce planning expert you learn by reading books by participating in conferences by talking to peers and uh, and I had the chance of uh, having references such as uh, Adam Gibson for example some of the works from Inside Two 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 CIPD. And of course, the amazing people that uh, that I have been in, in touch with uh, since then. It's um so lovely to hear about your talk about the different um different people who contribute to the, the space. You know, we've got the David Greens of the world, who um 
who contribute via Insight Two 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 and and you know one of the other um, previous Nestle alumni has, has recently bobbed up there as well, which is really good to see in, in Jordan Petman. Um, yeah, Adam Gibson, who you know, who wrote the book, <laughs> literally wrote the book on strategic workforce planning, and is a great fr- friend of ours, as, as you know. Um, and it's just, it, it's it's so important that there are a group of people out there who are contributing to the knowledge base. You know, it's it's a young discipline, as you said. You don't you don't go to school to study it yet, um, and, you, and you know you probably know we're trying to change all that, but. Um, at the moment, it relies on people collaborating and and working together. So it, it it's it's fantastic to hear you um, talk about some of those people who have influenced your journey. Yeah, and it's true that this is what also makes it so exciting: the fact that the the, the uncharted path uh, side of it, where there's still so much room for for every individual who gets involved in workforce planning to to contribute. I would say to uh, what workforce planning is going to become. Yeah, one of the most um, beautiful things about about the sector and and the community, let's say, is that there are very few egos in the space. And, and you, even if you look at someone like Adam Gibson, I'm going to say Adam probably deserves to have an ego based on on what he's done, but but he doesn't have have one. You know, he's got a way of of approaching it that he's always very open to you know looking at different aspects and different ways and and acknowledges that there are lots of lots of other ways to do it that are also really good and and having no egos means that people want to listen they want to share and and they want to grow together rather than anyone really looking to be positioned as the leading expert it's it's a group of people who have a great knowledge base and they can contribute to, to one another's success. Yeah, and I think this attitude really fits well this area because it's not there is no one way of doing workforce planning and I think there is no room for people who will tell us that's how you should do it and no, you're doing it wrong, you should do it that way. Uh, at the moment, it's done in so many different ways in different organizations and uh, and and the way we're going to, to keep uh, developing workforce planning, I think, is by continuing to listen to how organizations are doing it and considering the different options yeah. and then yeah taking the best for every organization yeah. i think when we want to start workforce planning we have to take the best of what others are doing but there's there's no just one path that you'll get from one person absolutely yeah it's it's fascinating isn't it? there's so many different ways to do it and, and you almost you want to encourage everyone who just does something um or just get started it's, it's almost as though the only wrong way to do it is to not do it at all. It's, it's almost it's almost like we get at, at, at that point. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So Orgsyke. So so. I mean, I I love exploring people's journeys into strategic workforce planning, and the, those backgrounds are all different. You know, Adam Gibson um, was in the army. You know, but before he, yeah, that's that's his background. Um, Alicia Roach, her background is finance. Um, you know, you're an org psych, I'm a mechanical engineer, you have people who come from traditional HR backgrounds, science backgrounds, engineering, mathematics. I think I've met most 
most professional backgrounds as pathways into strategic workforce planning. How does, including a number of org sites, how do you find that background helps you in what you do? I, I think it doesn't matter much in the end, really, what background you have, because uh, the, the, the practice of workforce planning is so much at the crossroads of all these different um, interests and skills and competencies that people mm. must have, and the, the, the business understanding, the, the geek side of it with, uh, with data and analytics, the, the HR understanding, because in the end, it's about taking action in HR that is going to, to, to help uh, build the right workforce for the future. And um, yeah. I, I don't think in the end that my, my background weighs in so much. Uh, it's more the fact that I have varied interests and I, I've had the chance of having a career that has brought me to, to see different facets of, uh, of how we do HR and, uh, and how it contributes to the business. Uh, I think this is really what, uh, what allows to make a difference. It's a good point, actually. You know, it doesn't really matter what you've studied. If you've got an inquisitive mindset and you're interested in sort of, you know, seeing how those dots join together and how everything kind of contributes to a direction, I think that's, that's the main thing. And that could be a number of backgrounds, couldn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, Correct. What I think do that, you the, find... the understanding of... Uh, Sorry, we got Go good cuts. <laughs> yeah, I think the the understanding of how HR works, and uh, because in the end, if you want workforce planning to be successful, you have to once you've understood your, your future workforce and you've you've determined the key gaps and you've decided where you want to take action to anticipate them, you need to engage with all these these people in uh, either you know talent acquisition activities or, or training development activities. Uh, in the end, there's the whole range of uh, of HR that can be involved in building this future workforce that will that will anticipate potential uh, gap risks, and uh, I think this understanding of HR is is quite critical. But uh, but I believe everyone who is involved in this field gets it by 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 talking with people. And uh, it's not I mean you don't have to have worked in HR necessarily, but uh, you need to be interested in this area and understand how HR contributes. Yeah, I think that's a really a really good way to put it. You don't have to definitely don't have to have worked in HR. Strategic workforce planning doesn't even have to live in HR. But if you're involved in SWP, you need to understand broadly how it fits together because you're developing actions and initiatives that will be executed by different verticals within the HR function. You need information and contribution from many of those different. HR vertical, so understanding, you know, what lives where and who does what and where where information flows is is really really important. So, Jonas, tell me what do you find most challenging about the work that you do, and and what would you say underpins successful strategic workforce planning? In my experience, when when you want to be successful in workforce planning, the the main challenge is about getting the organization to exercise foresight so getting people to to project themselves in the future understand what the main challenges of the organization are going to be and what the organization is going to have to put into place to meet these challenges and then of course most importantly what it means in terms of workforce and uh, and this is really difficult uh, maybe some organizations are Every organization approaches this differently as well, and it's very intimate as well uh, because it it relates to strategic thinking processes, decision making processes that are that are 
related to the culture of an organization. So it, it's very different. Uh, and to be successful, you need to understand how these mechanisms work in your organization and uh, and how you can best use them to to, to gather these insights of, uh, of our future workforce needs, the, the demand uh, forecasts in we. Um, at ICRC, I think it's a particular challenge because, um, you know, one of the one of the um, the angles of ICRC or its, its competitive advantage, if I can say so, is uh, or has historically always been its ability to react quickly in case of crisis and the ability to have access in uh, in in very uh, uh, difficult areas in in uh, armed situations of armed conflicts. Uh, so ICRC is very often when. Uh, when, when things get hot, uh, is very often the first one or sometimes the only one who can really access the most affected populations in case of armed conflicts. It's, it's the case currently in Gaza. It was the case more recently in Nagorno-Karabakh, and it, it happens over and over again. And this, this specificity of ICRC, of course, it builds, or, or when you think in terms of culture of the organization, it builds mostly on reactivity, right? It's the ability to, if something happens, being able to very quickly react. And of course, that that, that is a strength at, at ICRC. It's a thing also that uh, many people have uh, see this uh, as a pride, but it's not the same thing as planning ahead, right? Uh, and, and often it can even be seen a bit as, uh, as uh, conflicting um, skills or, or attitudes, I would say, because uh, the more you plan ahead, in a way, the more... Uh, uh, you get uh, you, you get rigid about these plans and, and less able to react very quickly in terms of crisis, and uh, so so that's um, a, 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 yeah an attitude or, or culture we've had to face when we implemented workforce planning at ICRC, and I think of course we we, we recognize that and uh, and we must put into place something that that can change quickly that is agile and adaptable. Um, but there's also some arguments that we have uh, in uh, in in convincing the organization that it that it's useful. Of course, everyone agrees that it's useful to plan uh, for workforce. Huh? But when it comes to actually getting people to make the effort, because it's not the push of a button, uh, even though we try to automate it as much as we and use data as much as we can, but still there there is a significant effort required for people to project themselves into the future and. Uh, and uh, get the right insights that we need in order to plan workforce. And to convince them, there's a couple of arguments that we have. First of all, there's the fact that uh, I think the the more recent evolution of the context we operate in, let's say in the last decade or so, is that uh, conflicts are getting are lasting longer. They are more protracted. And uh, this, is, this is a key change for us in the sense that uh, it provides at least a a reasonable portion of predictability in what we do. There are certain countries where we are now, and we know for sure that we will still be in a couple of years. It's almost for sure. I mean, it's not it's not unreasonable to assume that we will be there with probably similar kind of operations as we have now. It will change, of course, it will evolve, but it won't be radically different, uh, most likely. So that, that gives us, first of all, a basis for planning. We, we can plan based on these things. Of course, there's still a portion of our future workforce needs that is unpredictable, mm -hmm. uh, but there is a portion that is. And uh, I think we, we have a responsibility to make sure that we at least predict to the extent that we can, because this is the only way we can ensure that we'll have the right workforce in the future. Mm. Another point is also, you know, ICRC is mostly, so that's that's one of our main differences from the private sector. We are, our funding comes from donors. Uh, our donors are, are mostly governments, uh, 
in many cases, democratic governments who need to justify the, the spending when they, when they provide funds to us. And mm -hmm. uh, they can do that much better or we can work with them in doing that much better if we are able to say what this funding is going to be for. Because, of course, most of our costs are workforce. And uh, yep. the more we are able to say, uh, this is the workforce we're going to need in the future to address these kind of needs and we need your help for that, the more we can, uh, we can work with donors and, uh, and, and secure these funds. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, I, I would say the, these are probably the, some of the main uh, rationales. And, and, and of course, the fact that, uh, and I think everybody recognizes that, is if today we need to send someone, for example, in Gaza with certain skills, um, we cannot hire that, we cannot find that person on the market. We cannot find that person now. Uh, it takes years to prepare people to, to build the skills that they need, the understanding of, uh, of uh, security sensitive contexts, uh, the understanding, of course, of the, of the specific ICRC work. It's a special approach to the humanitarian work. Uh, that requires years. And, uh, I think it's, it's very, easy to recognize that uh, the only way we can ensure that now, today, we have enough people with the right skills to send to Gaza is uh, if we had planned that a couple of years in advance. Mm. And what do you use to determine that planning? Do you, do you use historical conflict data? That's uh, that's something that I would like to venture into. Uh, at the moment, we are. I don't have the resources, unfortunately, to do this kind of um, probabilistic prediction of our future needs because I think, and I would be so passionate to do that. But I think that that's on our to-do list uh, for for once we we start. We we need to start with something, and then I would really like to add something into that. But yes, I think uh, we should be able to build a model based on history using certain parameters or certain scenarios like uh, scenario one uh, situation, uh, you know, related to the Gaza situation, for example, or to any of the countries where we are. Uh, there can be uh, two or three different scenarios of how the, the context uh, is uh, might evolve. And then based on these scenarios and our best predictions of them, then make a probabilistic prediction of our, let's say, um, uh, emergency-related needs, uh, what they are going to look like in the future years. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. um, very, very interesting fields. Not yet. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so, with this dynamic that you you mentioned, and I completely get it. You know, you're in a highly reactive business. It's what you do is is you react <laughs> and you react quickly. So, where's our burning strategic workforce planning um, platform? The stakeholders ask. Um, I get that. I, are you winning in your quest to sort of demonstrate? The benefits are you seeing some of those stakeholders start to understand and appreciate that yeah okay yeah yeah we, but, but it takes time huh? uh you know, yeah. the, the only way you can do it is to really take time with people and the problem is that uh, and i think it's going to be the case in many organizations it also takes time to develop a workforce planning approach and your stakeholders change over time so <laughs> i cannot yeah. tell you how many hours i've spent convincing people who now are no longer the decision makers about it and i need to start over and convince new people but um i guess that's the, that's the rule of the game well that's a really interesting point you know the stakeholder challenge is one that comes up at every conference and in most conversations and it is a really really critical one um but those stakeholders are transient right they're not fixed so how do you actually get to the point where you have a strategic workforce planning culture that's so strong that it's mentioned in induction? 
<laughs> when that new leader comes in from another organization this is this is this is the importance of strategic workforce planning to our organization <laughs> yeah. expect a call from bonus yeah i, I think it's yeah. I expect this will come by the time that we are able to demonstrate uh, the impact of uh, what we've done. But that that will not come before a few years, since of course this is the the, the span of strategic workforce planning. Um, Absolutely. So I, um, we have tell- to keep uh, just keep talking to people. <laughs> yeah, just exactly. Keep keep trying to change them one, one stakeholder at a time, and hope that I hope they stay a bit longer. Hope that your um uh, your attention sort of <laughs> extends a little bit. Um. You touched on the team you built before, Jonas, at, at the ICRC. So tell us a little bit more about the team you've put into place to support SWP implementation and execution. Yeah, so um, maybe just to give a bit of context. So we've it, we, we've been three years now into developing this, this workforce planning approach. We were ready to go live this year, but uh, due to the, the, the financial situation that ICRC has been facing since the beginning of this year, we did not have the availability of our counterparts and stakeholders to actually train them and launch workforce planning. So it's delayed to next year. And um, so it's been, I would say, roughly two years of, of development of workforce planning. And uh, during that time, I think in relation with, with what we were just saying, the, the most important role is, uh, is, is, is having this person who's able to make sure that the, the people who we, we need to involve in workforce planning will be willing and able to do it. And that, that's very quickly said, but I think that's the, for me, uh, it, it's at least half of the effort uh, when, when you implement workforce planning is, is this what we call change management. Uh, the, this work of identifying stakeholders, mapping them, understanding where they stand, what are, what do they have to gain or to lose with work or the, the, the fears, the, 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 the concerns they may have uh, with regards to workforce planning, how to address them, continuously address them over time, uh, and, uh, and then how to understand which exactly and describe which role they're going to have to play in this workforce planning um, thought process. And mm. um, and uh, then uh, yeah, convince them of the importance of it and and training them, making sure they're ready to do it. That's that's a huge part, and I think that's that really you should have at least one person doing that in in any workforce planning implementation effort. Yeah, wow, excellent. And how's it structured? What what are some of the other sort of key um, key roles within that function as as it sits today? Yeah, so then you need to have another person who has that. That understanding of the of the organization, that uh, deep, intimate understanding I was talking about, or who at least is, is able to to get it by talking with people. Um, what I mean to say is, that you don't need to have worked ten years in the organization necessarily, but you need at least to be able to listen and to to understand how the organization works, and uh, and then combine that with enough understanding of what workforce planning can be or is in other organizations to then find the, the sweet spots that will work for the organization that you're in. And, and what is the thought process that will work in that organization? Um, um, yeah. I was going to sort of, building off the team and the importance of the team to ICRC, you know, in certain organizations, if strategic workforce planning doesn't do its job, you know, we, we might have a surplus of, of people we might have two train drivers arrive for a shift. We might have none. We might have um, an organisation not make as much money as um, you know they could have made. Um, th- things like that. they're they're important, but they're not life and death. What 
What happens if strategic workforce planning falls over at the ICRC? What's what's the criticality of the function that you're looking after? Yeah, very good question indeed. Um, I think if we if we don't get it right, if we don't do workforce planning at ICRC, we'll, we'll constantly end up in the situation where we're trying to fill gaps uh, desperately <laughs> because it's too late anyway. By the time you have a gap, you you can't find you can't just make up people who are ready to 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 do what what we do at ICRC. In certain areas, yes, of course, like in HR and finance, we can recruit people outside who have the necessary skills. But when it comes to the core business of the organization. Um, we uh, and we keep uh, actually the way it was, uh, and it's it's been for a long time at ICRC, uh, finding ourselves continuously in the situation where we have uh, we have situations where we, we're not able to fully deliver what we what we need to to fully support the affected populations of armed conflicts because we just don't have enough people available to do that, and it happens, uh, and it, it will keep happening if we don't do work for standing well enough. Mm. Yeah. So li- literally, it is it is a matter of life and death in some situations. In, in our case, I guess literally you could say so. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. The importance of strategic workforce planning. Um, now, on a much lighter note, you are joining us in London, which I'm super excited about at SWP conference, uh, our MIAP event. Tell us a little bit about your session not too much we don't we want to give it away um but but tell us a little bit about it and and what you think um, or, or hope that delegates will take away from from your session yeah sure i mean th- th- there are so many things i could have spoken about and uh, i think you you and i had this conversation of uh, what is it that that can be that would be most relevant for the or most interesting for the for the participants and um so w- what i've decided is that i would uh try to talk them through our journey of implementing workforce planning at ICRC, but not the entire journey, of course, because trying to to fit two years into a 25 minutes of presentation would be completely crazy. Uh, So instead of that, I'm going to focus on some of the key decisions that we've had to make throughout our journey. And the idea is that uh, hopefully by sharing these decisions that very often at the time we were making them, we were not really aware that they were decisions, uh, let alone of the implications they would have. Uh, so I'm hoping that by sharing these, uh, some uh, the, the participants who are early in, th- in their journey or even actually even later already in their journey of implementation will be able to consider these questions mm-hmm. and make sure that they, they give the right time to to ponder these questions um, early enough in the process. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super important, your session, and I don't want to give away anything either, but I've seen the slides. <laughs> and I love, I love the... Um, the decisions that you made and the reasons behind those decisions. I think so many delegates could look at those and go, yeah, we would make the same. Or interesting, that was another option or this is why. It's really, really helpful. So I'm super excited that um yeah, and I think that's really the it. point. I will, I will be talking about which decisions we made and why, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that indeed, as you said, in the, in, in the room, there will be plenty of people who would make the other decision. And I hope we'll have a chance also after my presentation to chat yeah. and, and discuss exactly. uh, why yeah. other people would have made other decisions. Yeah, 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 totally. And even just to give them visibility over the decisions that are needed to be made, you know, that, that's, that's a huge part in its own right. So um, I'm really excited about it. Um, what, what do you love most about what you do, Jonas? What's the one thing you love most about strategic workforce planning that you find most interesting about it? 
Yeah, the, there are many things to like in workforce planning, but for me, it's very clear it's the geek side, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> uh, I love the analytics side, the data side, the, the, the ability we have, uh, because I think it's really, having been in people analytics for a while, I think people analytics is really one of the main areas where we are able to make a significant difference for the organization by using people data. Of course, there are many other other areas as well, but, but people analytics for me is the is the... The, the royal way into into doing that and um uh, in the way we we in our implementation that there, there were different um, different uh, opportunities to to enjoy these areas first of all the fact that we've we've chosen to build our workforce planning solution ourselves instead of buying it off the shelf so we are building it in anaplan and uh, yeah. that's of course it, if you are into the use of data to support decision making that's very passionate because there are, we, we've mm -hmm. thought about so many so many ways of uh, of presenting insights in a way that will support the, the thought process that we have decided to yeah. implement at ICRC and, and that's that's really passionate and um, uh, also another point that was very interest, particularly interesting for me from that perspective was the the supply forecast model that we implemented so we decided yeah. to use, we're not using data science to forecast demand for different reasons, but we are using it to forecast supply. Uh, so to, to, to predict how our existing workforce is going to evolve in the organization over the next few years based on the, the, the people who are going to leave or the people who are going to move between job roles in the organization. And uh, working with a data scientist and actually with several data scientists to put that into place has been has been also for me uh, one of the highlights of uh, of this exercise. That's pretty pretty cool. Um, I think you've uh, you've touched on the nerve of the inner geek in most of us. Jonas is is um, and I've I've heard it mentioned a number of times on stage at SWP conferences. Uh, is there is a there is a little bit of geek factor, and I think that's um, yeah, but it's hip, it's hip to be square now, isn't it? So um, it's cool to be a geek. I think it's uh, it's fantastic to hear you say that and. Um, I'm looking forward to to sort of seeing how the future unfolds for you, um, not only to listening to your session in, in London, but also sort of seeing what that journey looks like and, you know, jumping on a podcast in 12 months' time and 24 months' time and seeing what's evolved and, um, you know, what the insights are and how the function's growing, I think will be a great a great activity so let's do a let's do a three-part series over a few years and, and make sure that we um we track that journey and see how the the icrc progress i would love that with great pleasure Alison, thank you so much for your time my friend uh next time i'll see you we'll be both beyond london time on gmt um but uh this has been a great discussion and i, I really appreciate it i'm sure the listeners will as well thank you looking forward to seeing you there nick